as a retail investor, when it comes to investing overall, you simply just cannot have your cake and eat it too. Let's talk about it. Hey guys, welcome to the hashtag Get Real Woke podcast. I'm your host, Frederick D. Scott. I'm a private equity investor, business consultant, philanthropist, author, and contributing writer for Entrepreneur Magazine. I have over 15 years of experience in the finance industry, and I used to own an investment banking and advisory firm. Currently, I hold designations as a financial modeling and valuation analyst, capital markets and securities analyst, commercial banking and credit analyst, and I also hold a diploma in Islamic finance. And today is another hashtag for the free Friday. This is the time during the week where I come on and I teach you things relative to business and finance in a step-by-step, easy-to-understand format so you can learn the information grow, increase your knowledge of financial literacy, and be able to take action on the things that you learn to help you go further in your journey professionally or personally. Now listen, before I get into today's topic, I need everybody to hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification. Most definitely leave me a comment at the bottom of this episode to let me know what you think. And if you haven't already and you're on an Android phone, I need you to hit that join button. And if you're on an iPhone, I need you to click the link in the description or the link that's pinned to the comments of this episode so you can join the hashtag RealWokeLiveChat community and be eligible to participate in the hashtag LearnToEarnCashGiveaway where I give away a minimum of $1,000 every month live right here on the hashtag GetRealWokePodcast. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. So we are continuing our retail investing series. We're continuing to discuss the investment risk profile. And today's topic is risk preference. Now, what exactly is risk preference? Because some of y'all probably hearing this are like, yo, what is risk preference? Okay, risk preference is an investor's subjective and objective cognitive evaluations to describe his or her feelings, a real or potential course of action. So basically what we're saying here is this is a person's thought process uh, behind why they take the actions that they take when they're considering investments. Don't worry, y'all. I know that definition sounded really complicated, but I'm getting ready to break it down really simply, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. Okay, so what is in a good example of risk preference? Let's talk about that. Okay, so number one, an investor may prefer investing in certificates of deposit based on suggestive probability estimates 
that indicate a minimal chance of losing money. So some people in their risk preference, they're just so risk averse. And we talked about risk aversion uh, in the last podcast episode, but some people are not interested in losing any money. They're not interested in taking any risk whatsoever. They want the most riskless investment that they can possibly get their hands on. And so a lot of these types of investors tend to invest their money in certificates of deposit and safe treasury securities like bonds, like the 10-year treasury, the five-year treasury, et cetera, et cetera because they want to be able to grow their income. They want to be able to grow their asset base, but they're really not interested in losing any money. And based on their belief, based on their research, based on what someone may have told them, like a financial advisor, a friend, a family member, CDs are really, really safe. So based on that CDs, you know, uh, treasury securities, things of that nature are really, really safe. So they would prefer to just, they want to invest, but based on the information they have, right, they are making uh, a, a, an estimate, a suggestive probable estimate that this is the most uh, minimally riskiest way for them to be able to invest their money and not lose any of the money that they've invested. Now, there's another type of investor, right? So the other type of investor so may prefer to avoid certificates of deposit based on a cognitive evaluation showing that after tax and after inflation returns associated with these assets result in problematic outcomes, right? So this is someone that, you know, they have, they don't want to take a lot of risk either, but at the end of the day, right, they understand that there are some potential issues that can come up with just investing only in certificates of deposits or treasury uh, securities like bonds, like treasury bonds and things of that nature, they learned and they've done their research and they realized that this could be problematic. Okay, so let's kind of look into that and, and, and explore why something like that may be problematic. You know what I mean? Because, you know, part of this is y'all understanding why it is that, you know, investing in certificates of deposit or treasury backed securities, you know, if that's the only thing you're going to invest in, you're going to lose money. And let's talk about why that is, right? And you're like, wait, 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 how can you lose money in a situation that is backed by the good faith and credibility of the United States government or a financial institution like a bank? How is it that you can lose money in that? Okay, so let's explore that. I actually am going to share a screen with you, a couple of screens, actually. And I just want to show you some, some data on, on why, you know, investing in those types of things solely uh, it generally tends to be problematic for you. Okay, so let me pull up my screen here. Let's give me a second here. I'm gonna go ahead and pull up this screen. Okay, boom. So let me share this with you guys here. Let me make sure you can see it really good. Okay, yes, you can. All right, now, so what I have here, uh, I went to Nerd Wallet really quickly and I just went ahead and pulled up. What I pulled up is a summary of the best CD rates for September 21. So a CD, first of all, let's cover what a CD is. A CD is a certificate of deposit. And what does a certificate of deposit do? So a, a certificate of deposit is something issued by a financial institution, of, more specifically, a deposit-taking institution, a bank like JP Morgan, Bank of America, Ch uh, uh, Citigroup, uh, these types of financial institutions that have bank charters, they have the ability to issue certificates of deposit. And these certificates of deposit are basically loans. So what they're saying is, if you buy a certificate of deposit, we'll pay you a certain amount of interest for however long 
you know, that certificate of deposit is good for. So you have one year CDs, for example, and I'll, and I'll show you here, right? Generally you have one year CDs, you have three year CDs, you have five year CDs, right? So basically what they're saying is if you buy, you know, for example, $1,500 worth of CDs from us, you know, for five years, we're going to pay you a 0.90% interest rate every year. And we're going to do that for the next five years. And then at the end of five years, we're going to give you your principal back, right? And these generally tend to be pretty safe investments because again, these types of financial institutions like Bank of America, Citigroup, like Chase, et cetera, et cetera, uh, they have uh, institutional credit ratings. They have good credit. And so because they have good credit, it is uh, a greater than not likelihood that they won't default on their payment obligations and that they'll be able at the end of whatever the term is, be it one year, three years, or five years, they'll be able to actually give you that money back, right? The money that you invested, they'll be able to give you that back. But here's the problem, right? Yes, this is a, oh, as far as investments goes, this is one of the more safer investments. This is a highly uh, uh, safe investment overall. But for that level of safety, remember, I always tell you guys that risk is directly correlated or has a direct relationship with the potential uh, targeted rate of return or the potential rate of return that you can make on an investment. So the higher the risk, the higher the probable return. The lower the risk, the lower the probable return, right? Now, so as this is a very safe investment, of course, the return that you can see on that investment is relative to that level of risk. And so because it's a really low risk investment, the return is very low as well. And so let's look at why that could potentially be problematic for you. Okay. So if you're only invested in certificates of deposit, and let's say you've got you know, a number of five-year CDs and they're paying, let's say, even at even even at uh, uh, Quantic, which is paying a 1.11% interest rate. Let's look at that. What does that really look like after you pay your taxes? See, what you're looking at, 1.11% is the gross return on that investment. But at the end of the day, you still have to calculate taxes and inflation. So I want to pull up another screen and I just want to show you what inflation looks like. And we've talked about inflation before in previous episodes. So I'm hoping by this point, if you've been following along uh, in my podcast episodes, that you have a good definition of what inflation is. But if you don't know what inflation is, let me explain it to you. So inflation is very simple. Inflation is the, the increase or decrease, let me say it this way, the decrease in the value of our currency compared to other currencies. So it is the decrease in value of the US dollar uh, relative to like the Japanese yen, the yun, the euro, et cetera, et cetera. So what tends to happen is when we lose value in the currency and we lose value every single year, what happens is that means that it takes more US dollars to buy the same product. So that loaf of bread that you bought last year, you're going to have to spend more dollars to buy that loaf of bread this year because of inflation. Now, what does inflation look like today? So I actually have an inflation chart that I want to share with you guys. And I just want to show you what current inflation is right now. So as you can see, as of 2021, current inflation is 5.3%. So now let's look at that. 
That means that when you consider an investment, you have to consider the tax, uh, the tax responsibilities on that investment, and you always have to consider inflation as well. So if we know as of 2021 that inflation is 5.3%, but as we looked at the last chart, let's say you're getting 1.11% in return on your certificate of deposit, well, it's a good safe bet that you're losing money. You're actually losing roughly about 4.2% uh, uh, of, of your money. That's what you're losing. You're losing, well, let's just call it nice, easy numbers. You're losing about 4%. So that means that even though you've invested in a certificate of deposit, even though it's paying you a return, once you calculate inflation, the, the, the inflation percentage is more than the return. So you're at a net loss. So this is why certificates of deposit, if that's going to be the only uh, type of investment you make, is, is going to be problematic for you. And let's remember that you're getting a return at least every year of 1.11% on that certificate of deposit. So if you actually take that return and you put it in your bank account, that's considered a capital gain and you're subject to taxation on that capital gain. So not only are you losing money on inflation, but you lose even more when you pay your taxes. So overall, you're loaning the money to your, you're loaning money to a bank to lose money on it. That's essentially what, what's happening here, right? So, you know, certificate of, again, certificates of deposit are extremely safe investments, but you see how they can become problematic as well. Let's talk about certificates of deposit right now, because I did mention that. So I want to show you certificate of deposit bond rates here. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not certificate of deposits, um, treasury bonds. I want to talk about treasury bond yield rates right now. And at a later time, I'm going to get into the difference between interest return and yields. Uh, that's going to be in a later podcast episode. But for today, I just want to follow the numbers really quickly here and just let's look at the numbers. So what you'll see here when you look at uh, bond rates on a five year, we won't even look at a three month. At a five year, you're getting 0.87%. On a 10 year, you're getting 1.73%. And on a 30 year, you're getting 2.48%. So that means if you get a 30 year uh, treasury bond, you're going to get a 2.48% return on that investment. That That's better than a certificate of deposit, but the same things apply that I explained in, in, in certificate of deposits as they do in, in treasury bonds. As you can see, inflation is higher. And by the way, on average, our country inflates about 3% a year on average, right? So we're seeing higher inflation in 2021 than we are th than, than what the average is. But that that's that makes sense when you realize that, you know, a lot of that stimulus money, a lot of those PUA checks, those PPP loans. I mean, there was no real uh, gross domestic product to support that. So we were just printing money and printing money and printing money. And when you print money without anything to back it up, then what happens is you devalue uh, the value of that money against other uh, currencies. The devalue, you devalue that currency against other currencies. So it makes sense then that our inflation would be higher in, 21, uh, in 2021 than the average. So as you can see, the same things apply to certificates of deposit because of the type of, of interest that's paid on a, on a U.S. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, I said certificate of deposit again. The same rules apply to treasuries because as you can see, the, the return that you're getting, the interest that you're making 
on that treasury bond is lower than the inflation rate and you still haven't paid taxes. So you can see how that can be problematic. So I just wanted to kind of break that down for you. Now, it is true that in nearly all cases, investors prefer taking less risk. Of course, right? So if you're an investor, you want to make as much money as you can while taking the least amount of risk possible. So, you know, a lot, uh, most, most investors are interested in taking less risk. But here's the thing. Keep in mind that an investor may prefer a low volatility investment or portfolio uh, while also being willing to invest more aggressively if the returns justify the risk. So another way of looking at this is an investor may prefer low volatility investments while concurrently exhibiting a willingness to take financial risk. All right. All right. Let's jump into that. What is volatility? First of all, volatility is really simple to understand. And I'll liken it to you like having, okay, because most everybody, you know, that listens to this podcast has a bank account. So that being the case, this should be easy to understand. Think about it like this. You have a bank account. You put $10 in there today. Tomorrow you have $20. The next day you have $5. The day after that you have a dollar. The day after that you have $3. The day after that you have 50 cents. And this is just with the money sitting in the account. You're not doing anything. It's not like you're spending money or anything. It's just Every day, your money changes because market conditions change. That's what happens in the securities market every day or in the equities market or what is commonly called on Main Street, the stock market. If you notice, the stock market fluctuates not just daily. It fluctuates by the second, by the minute, by the hour. It is always changing, right? So when we talk about volatility, we're talking about the change in the value of your investment over a period of time. So what most investors are interested in is low volatility investments. And what do I mean by low volatility investments? They want to see a consistent pattern of growth long term, year over year over year. They're not interested in this. This stresses, especially retail investors, this type of behavior stresses retail investors out. And this is why a lot of retail investors, when the markets go bad, sell in a bad market and end up selling their investments for a loss because the volatility and fluctuation in their investment is stressful for them. And so they rather just exit, especially when the market's crashing and going down, they panic, right? And they do what's called panic selling. So now for those investors, and there are investors like this, they want a low volatility investment, but they want to uh, invest aggressively and try to get the maximum amount of return that they, that they can possibly get. Now, here's the thing about that, right? Volatility in an investment can be correlated to potential riskiness of the investment for sure, right? But at the end of the day, shooting for the moon, right? And, and I'm going to give you a good example. I'm going to tell you a story in a second. But, you know, shooting for the moon just because you see consistent uh, uh, lack of volatility uh, in a potential investment 
doesn't necessarily mean that because the volatility is not there, there's no volatility doesn't mean that that investment is any less risky. So if you're trying to beat the market, and this is what happens to a lot of high net worth individuals uh, that invest in hedge funds, right? So what happens is they'll see a hedge fund performing really well. They get 40% returns year one, 30% returns year two. By year three, they're like, I got to get into this. I got to make the investment. Because what they're seeing is a two-year pattern of really no volatility, right? Consistent growth, and they're beating market returns. But what happens with a lot of times is, you know, if you haven't done the research on, on that hedge fund, you know, you can lose a substantial amount of money. And a good example of this is an old hedge fund uh, that was around during the 90s called LTCM, Long-Term Capital Management. Now, I want you to know that this, this hedge fund had like, I mean, God, they had Nobel Prize winning mathematicians that, you know, the people that had invented the Black-Scholes model and all of that, uh, which is an options pricing model, uh, it's used to price options in, in the securities market. It's called the Black-Scholes model. So the two creators of this, which were like PhDs, they had won Nobel Prizes, all of this, right? They were a part of this organization. I mean, they had some, you know, on paper at least, they look like rock stars on paper. And for a few years, they did really, really, really well. They had, they said they had created this system, this algorithm, all these great, wonderful things. When long-term capital management exploded, because it did explode, they had about $148 billion of other people's money that they were managing. And what it ended up happening is, yes, they had caught a good market. It was a booming market. So the stock market was going up, right? The stock market was performing really well. And so their strategy was based on that performance of the overall market. And based on what they, they had created, it did very well uh, in, 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 a, in a what we call a boom market, a market where things are doing really well overall uh, in the stock market. Their idea, their strategy worked really, really, really well for that. But then something happened, right? So now, mind you, before what happened happened, I mean, there was really no volatility. There was year-over-year -year growth. People were happy. And then something happened. So what happened? The market turned. And when the market turned, well, their strategy didn't work out so well. And in the end, they ended up having to get bailed out, right? They, they had to get a bail out. They're no longer in operation today. And all these rock stars that, and I mean, there were major financial institutions invested in long-term capital management. And what ended up happening is, I mean, hey, man, a lot of people lost money. Those people that were part of that fund, that were on the board of directors, on senior executives, gosh, I, I, I haven't heard about these people, uh, you know, since the time I've been on Wall Street. I haven't heard about these people anymore. Like, I mean, it was a train wreck. It was a disaster. And a lot of people lost a lot of money, which then goes to the fact that just because, you know, an investment is low volatility does not necessarily mean it's low risk. Right. And that's very important. And that doesn't mean that it's the best thing for you. Right. Which is why, you know, understanding your risk preference. Right. But then adjusting that risk preference to the reality of the market is very important when you're building an investment risk profile. Right. Which is why we talked about market risk environments some episodes uh, before 
Uh, I think it was the second one when I was talking the second episode on on investment risk profile, we talked about market risk environment, right? And that's very important. So I would invite you to go back and check out, you know, how I uh, broke down market risk environment and how that correlates to investment risk profile uh, to get a better understanding of that. So, you know, what we're talking about here, when we start talking about risk preference, we're, we're starting to get into what's called behavioral finance, right? So behavioral finance is a very big thing on Wall Street. And it's something that if you've never looked at behavioral finance, I would definitely recommend that you start looking at behavioral finance and start understanding what behavioral finance is all about. See, in behavioral finance, what we try to do is figure out what makes people do what they do. Why do people make the investments they make? Why do they make the decisions they make? Uh, in the market, et cetera, et cetera. Because getting a an understanding of the average person's uh, behavior patterns is very important in understanding, you know, the overall market. Because while the stock market is, you know, those stocks that are publicly traded, and we'll talk about this when we get into asset classes, but stocks that are publicly traded, you know, those, those stocks are issued by companies. And so those companies have a value, right? But at the end of the day, Markets move on two things, fear and greed. That's what moves markets. Fear and greed move markets. And so understanding why people, you know, operate in the market the way they do is very important uh, for, for Wall Street. But understanding for you personally, understanding why you make the decisions that you make are very important to understanding how your how risk correlates to your decision making pattern and your decision making behavior because what we find and what studies show is that people that generally live high risk lives in their day to day lives tend to be uh, they tend to take high risk in investing they always want to swing for the fences shoot for the moon etc cetera, etc. Cetera investing for the long term is about discipline and you have to invest for the long term if your goal is growth or income or being able to maintain the type of lifestyle that you're interested in maintaining it's very 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 important to understand that this takes discipline it takes consistency and even if you are a risk taker in your day-to-day -day life that doesn't mean that you should be as much of a risk taker with your financials especially if you're in the later stages of your time horizon, which we've talked about time horizon uh, in previous episodes. So I just wanted to share that with everybody. I just kind of wanted to break this down a little bit. You know, it's crazy because somebody told me that uh, my hashtag for the free Fridays are boring. Hey, y'all, like I'm trying to make them fun. I'm trying to make them engaging and all of that. And I'm trying to think of ways to make this content more engaging on hashtag for the free Friday. But the truth of the situation is, I mean, it's financial literacy. Like I can laugh with it, I can joke with it, but this is serious business, y'all. This is serious business because having this knowledge is what's going to open the door and unlock your ability to be able to invest for the long term consistently and be able to grow your net worth, grow your asset base, and retire into the kind of lifestyle that you want to be able to retire in. So this information is very important. Hey, y'all, like. Hey man, I, I I'm trying. Like yo, look, I'm trying to make it fun and engaging. But I mean, it ain't you know, like it, it can only be so fun and so engaging. I mean, we are talking about financial literacy here. We are talking about a number of different things that go into you know these types of of conversations and discussions. And I have to be thorough because a lot of people do watch, a lot of people are listening, and over time, a lot of people will watch these videos. And I want to make sure I'm very very clear 
uh, very direct, very straightforward in that I don't, I don't want to accidentally uh, mislead someone with this information. So I got to cover it the way I got to cover it, y'all. And I hope y'all can respect that. But anyway, y'all listen, I appreciate y'all, you know, more than y'all possibly know. I appreciate everybody that takes a look at these podcast episodes. That's learning, that's growing. You know what I mean? If, if you like the content that I'm putting out, if you like the information you're receiving, yo, show the podcast some love by hitting that like button. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification, and definitely leave me a comment at the bottom of this episode. Let me know what you think. Now, listen, hey, I said it at the beginning, I'm gonna say it again. If you haven't already, and you're on, a, on an Android phone, yo, listen, I need you to hit that join button. And if you're on an iPhone, I need you to hit the link in the description or the link pinned to the comments at the bottom of this episode so you can join the hashtag Real World Live Chat community which will then make you eligible to participate in the hashtag learn to earn cash giveaway where I give away a minimum of $1,000 live right here on the hashtag get real world podcast. Hey man, I'm giving away the bread. I'm trying to support the community in the best ways that I can think of supporting the community. But at the same time, understand the community got to support the podcast too. I mean, support, if you like what we're doing here, hey man, support that. You know what I mean? Because I do this hashtag for the free for y'all. Like, I do this to benefit the community. Now, with all of that said, I don't know how many of y'all read my descriptions or look at my descriptions, but listen, check this out. I got a lot of great things going on for y'all. Like, listen, number one, right, I've written, you know, like six books uh, on the topics of business and finance, and you can, those are available if you just go into the description You'll be able to go to frederickdscott.com or you can just go to frederickdscott.com, check those books out because, I mean, I provide a lot of in-depth information there too that would also be helpful for you. Additionally, I got a hashtag for the free resources as well. So for example, I did a four-part series on uh, credit management. Um, I did a credit mastery series, four parts, right? I also wrote every single letter that I could think that you would need to be able to accurately and fairly dispute uh, different different issues that you might have on your credit profile. Those resources are available for free. All you got to do is hit the link in the description and just go into the description of this podcast episode or any podcast episode and take a look at, at, at what's in the description. There's some hashtag for the free resources for you. You ain't got to pay nobody to do your credit now. You can do that yourself. I put out all the information you needed and provided all the resources hashtag for the free. So definitely check those out. Also, I did it. You know, I did a podcast episode on budgeting and saving. Now, listen. I also created an entire workbook to help you be able to budget for yourself. That is also available in the hashtag for the free resources at frederickdscott.com, or you can just click the link in the description. So y'all listen, it's a lot of resources. It's a lot of things out here for y'all. I'm trying to put y'all in a position, put our community overall in a position to where they don't have to pay, you know, these fly by night financial gurus, you know, who come on out of nowhere and all of a sudden, no licensing, no credentials, no experience, no nothing. But, you know, they're trying to charge you a whole bunch of money or even those that may have a license or credential but want to charge you a whole bunch of money for something that should be free. I just believe that, you know, the core knowledge of financial literacy, that should be hashtag for the free. That's why I do this, man. I I, I don't feel like you should be paying for, pe- things, for paying people for certain things that you shouldn't have to pay for and and you know, a being able to develop a solid level of financial literacy, you shouldn't have to pay for that. To me, that's hashtag for the free. So that's why I come up here and do it, y'all. All right, y'all. So with all of that said, yo, listen, 
I appreciate y'all. Listen, we had like 2,580-something subscribers. That's because of y'all. So keep liking, keep subscribing, keep sharing, keep supporting. Y'all, I always appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much for allowing me to spend time with y'all because, hey, man, I learn, I, I, I get from y'all just as much as I give. And, you know, the crazy thing about this is as much as y'all are learning, I learn too. Like, and, and that's what people don't realize. Teaching information, it, it seeks that information for you differently as the teacher as well. So, you know, there are a lot of things that I've shared here that, yeah, I know them really well, but there's always a new thing to learn. Always a, another thing to, to, to add to the toolkit. And I'm able to do that because of y'all. So I definitely appreciate y'all so, so much. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, allowing me to talk to y'all. And until the next, hashtag for the free Friday, I'm out.